our intention, my intention, Panyawada's intention, is to make the Dharma user-friendly, making it clear enough so that each individual can practice it in a way that liberates them from suffering. There's 84,000 different teachings, but they're all about the same thing, and that's about liberating us from suffering. Confusion. We look at it at the world's day, and it depends upon where we look as, as it depends upon where we look because that determines what we see. And the teachings enforce the fact or elaborate on the fact that this is a choice that we have, that this is a choice that we make. So we have all of these occurrences in the moment. We have the border and separations of families. We have politics, we have countries that are still antagonistic to each other, cultures that are still antagonistic to each other. We have, within the framework of families and cultures and classes, we have the disposition of violence and the disposition of love. It depends upon what we look at and what we embrace. There's All of these things, again, are inherently present because we are looking at a consciousness that is, that contains potential, that anything is a possibility. And it is for each of us to determine what possibility we want to embrace. So, user-friendly, clarity, Decision-making. How do I escape? How do I liberate my heart from its heaviness and its meanness? And how do I become an object of light and encouragement and deliverance? This is the journey that we are all seeking to express in our own volitions. So again, the reminder is, this is a a user-friendly practice. It is not the practice that's confusing. It's samsara that is full of tricks, it's full of dualism. It is Not that things are not fixable, it's that we are focusing on the unfixable. And what this does, it depresses, it overwhelms our consciousness so that we lose all all of our sense of of stewardship, all all of our sense of being able to encourage and employ a positive effect on the world. Because we look here, we look there, we look the other place, we listen, 
all through the sense cases, we are being validated and encouraged to believe that it is so negative that there's nothing to do. But that's only because this is where we're choosing to look. Now the Dharma tells us, of, it teaches us of that truth that our world is constructed by what we choose to put our focuses or attention on. And that's what makes our world. That's what creates our world. And if we want the world to be different, the first thing we have to do is to invoke the choice that allows us to look at a different way. Um, There are many people in the world who are doing good things, just like there are many people in the world who are not doing good things. And there are many people in the world who are doing bad things. So all of that is present. And it informs us that the way we can be instruments of change is to change, is to evaluate our own presence and our own relationship in the world and commit to and be consistent with the intention that we desire to manifest what we feel would be positive. And so again, when we look at wars and when we look at strife along the border, I mean, first of all, we realize that we do have a genuine refugee crisis. But as soon as we take out of that construct and change it through verbalization to say our problem is with illegal immigration, it's not illegal immigration. It's about refugees. It's about people fleeing from violence and trying to just be in a place of safety with them and their families. There's certainly the need to vet because embedded in the group that is fleeing are those that are fleeing for different reasons or those that are masking themselves, but they have a different agenda as they enter a different country. They have an agenda of spreading, but this has always been this way. I mean, in our Our structure of democracy, we talk about being a haven for the poor and the downtrodden, the refugees, people who are fleeing with nothing, people who are looking for a better way of life. And we've always, up until this time, kept our doors open and our gates open so that those who wanted a safe haven would have one to come to. And this is what the Statue of Liberty represents. We've always had gangsters that came in with the the good people. So we've had Jewish mobs, Russian mobs, 
Italian mobs, all of the flavor of the immigration we've had with the with the Cuban boat lift both boat what is it? Yes, yes. There were good people fleeing from violence, but there are also people who who were up to no good that were embedded in that group. That's a reality, and that's what vetting is about. That's what law enforcement is about. But what is not, in my opinion, an option is to break up families and separate families, and separate children from their parents. That's, that's not a part of the deal. That's not a bargaining chip. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I've become as sounding brass or as tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and although I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not love, it profits, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind, envies not, vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. It does not behave itself, seemingly seeking not her own, is not easily provoked, and thinks no evil, rejoices not in inequity, but rejoices in truth, beareth all things, believeth in all things, hopes in all things, endureth in all things. Love never falters. But where there is prophecies, there shall fail. Where there are tongues, they shall cease. Where there, where there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. We've got to keep love in our hearts. We can't allow the apparent. You remember we talked about delusion and emptiness. We can't allow the apparent expression of things to cause us to close our hearts down. And to say, in this case, I'm going to just turn my back on my family, my human family. Now, there are many ways to express that. And we have, we have people right here in the Sangha who are working and embracing different forms of that love, different operations that express kindness and compassion to others. That's your choice. That's your call. I'm just saying that there are many different avenues of vehicles available to all of us to put love into the world, to put light into the world. Do not be overcome. Do not be overwhelmed. Do not be whelmed by the illusion of negativity and evil.
Do not throw your hands up and give up. Do not close your heart down and say they don't deserve it. But continue to do your practice, no matter what you call your practice. It doesn't matter. The path identification doesn't matter. You don't have to be Buddhist. You don't have to be Christian. You don't have to be Krishna. You don't have to be any of the the sanctuaries that promote healing and kindness and sharing and understanding. That on an ultimate level, there is no difference. There is no gender difference. There is no cultural difference. There is no class difference. There is just isness. That part is hard to see because we're so occluded by our self-identity. We can't see the forest for the trees. But if we are able to maintain our sense of connection to what is wholesome and good and commit ourselves to projecting and embracing that goodness, that wholesomeness, in spite of what everyone else does. You see, when we were children and our parents came in and said, don't hit your sister, the first defense we had was they did it first. The excuse for bad behavior was that they did it first, so I am allowed to project it back. I'm allowed to send the same energy back toward the other individual. But what all of the wisdom paths tell us and teach us is that we have a responsibility to be anchored in our sanity, anchored in our heart and compassion, and to not lose that, no matter what presents itself out here. Because ultimately what presents itself out here is just what presents itself inside. That all of this is illusional. And the more we construct our internal <coughs> presence to conform to the highest sacred images, when we lose that sense of self and lowly, lowlessness, low, lowness, when we realize that we're truly defined and inspired, that there is nothing out here that can infect or corrupt us, that we are truly vampire-proof, then we will be able to walk our journey without distraction, because we know that we have the ability to make the choice about what we inform ourselves about and what we embrace and what we hold on to. Does everyone understand? Okay. So how do we reinforce the notion of choice? Because we 
look out and we think there are no choices left. We just had an expression of another broad form of violence up in Trenton, New Jersey, where multiple fatalities occurred because of a heart that was closed, a heart that was shut down, uh, which then allowed consciousness to embrace an opportunity for violence, an opportunity for revenge or, or belief that one group of people or one class of people were not worthy or aren't worthy of our consideration and our love and compassion. We have a choice about what we reside in, what we choose to be. That's our power. On an evening Ananda came out of meditation and he went to the Buddha and he said, did I hear that correctly, venerable sir? Did I learn that correctly, attend to that correctly, remember that correctly? That he abided in emptiness. And we have a lot of confusion around voidness or emptiness. What does that really mean? What, how do I achieve that? How do I realize that? How do I experience that? What does it mean to me? How do I touch it and explore it and live it? So the Buddha talked to Ananda and said, just as the palace of Magara's mother is void of elephants and cattle and horses and mares and void of gold and silver and void of the assembly of men and women. And there is present only this non-voidance, namely the singleness dependent on the Sangha of Bhikkhus. So too, not attending to the perception of village, not attending to the perception of people, attends to the singleness dependent on the perception of forest. Now what is this instructing us to do or to be or to make available to us? It is telling us that we have a choice about where we put our or what we put our attention on. That everything is available to us. All things are available to us in consciousness. All things. If we are discouraged by and overwhelmed by corruption, that means we are putting our attention on and our focus on corruption. That it causes a certain feeling or an expression within ourselves that is overwhelmingly supportive of 
negative emotions and and impotency that all we need to do is to evaluate what it is that we are paying attention to that brings about the ill feelings that we have, the discomfort that we have, the, the fear that we have, the anger that we have. And in, and employ or intend to put our attention on something different that brings about a different feeling. If I look at this, this will happen. If I don't look at this, this won't happen. We don't, we have to employ the method of first of all just investigating what is present within us. What is coloring or influencing our relationship with life and reality? And if we find that it is overwhelmingly unwholesome, that it causes us suffering, the practice is to be aware, number one, that we have a choice to put our attention on something different. And in putting our attention on something different, we change the feeling tone we change our outlook, our relationship to and with the present moment. Okay, do you believe that? Do you do that? Yes? Okay, then there's nothing else to say. You've got it. The whole notion then of mindfulness is to be there when the shift occurs, when I become distracted by border walls or North Korea or the Sudan or Iraq or Iran and all of the negative reporting the negative energy that arises in those scenarios. And realizing that ultimately there there are two choices that I have in that idea of choice. In other words, this causes a feeling in me that depresses me, that causes me sadness, that causes me anger, that causes me fear. The knowing that all I have to do is take my attention and put it on something different will change my feeling tone. But then I also realize in my practice that I don't have to remove my attention to a different subject or a different object. I can look for the differences within the object itself. You see, because this is Staying with the problem, but not seeing it as a problem. Seeing within the unwholesomeness, the possibility and the potential 
that I can effect to make change, to make it different. And this is where we get into emptiness of ob- ob- objectification, understanding the illusionary aspects of all things in all reality. If I can change what I see just simply by changing my mind, then this cannot be real. This cannot be concrete. And it isn't. So before we go into our meditation of voidness, understanding what that means, it doesn't mean that it's empty. It just means that it is void of what I do not pay attention to, what what I don't bring into my internal evaluation of reality. And if I don't bring it in, if I don't bring politics in, to my heart, then all of the disturbance that I feel when I'm connected to politics won't be there either. If I don't bring the elephant in, there's no elephant in the room. So it encourages me to be selective. It encourages me to create the two categories of wholesome and unwholesome and to be selective as to what I posit my attention on, what I bring into my heart that will free me from my depression, my fear, my anger. And again, I understand the inclination to be overwhelmed because there's so much out here, so much... So many expressions, so many alternatives to peace are out here. And our gates are always open. It's like we're literally devices of reception, that the doors are always open. There's no discrimination. The discrimination occurs in the process once there is awareness or cognition of the objects. And again, as we've talked about in very recently, recent Dhamma talks, there is the ability, the capacity to insinuate or insert ourselves between two functions of consciousness. Between cognition and conceptualization. Where there is just awareness, but not any identification that goes on, this is good, this is bad. But just knowing that this is present. It's not good, it's not bad, it's just present. If we can effect that skill, if we can hone that skill, you got it. It's that simple. The Buddha's words on loving kindness, it's a chant. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to 
do a call and response thing. I'm going to give the phrase and then I'll ask you to repeat it or echo it. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, not busy with duties and frugal in their ways. Peaceful and calm, and wise and skilled, not proud and demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. Wishing in gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there might be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short, or small, The seen and the unseen, those living near and far, those born and to be born, may all beings be happy. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will, Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection 
This is said to be the sublime abiding by not holding to false views. The pure-hearted one having clarity of vision being freed from all sense desires is not born again into this world. Keep that on your refrigerator and on your hearts as we walk through this week. Being mindful of what you feel as a disturbance or as a contentment. Realizing that you have the power and the insight to abandon what disturbs you and to embrace insightfully what brings you peace. That's the practice. And the practice is available to us in each moment of our existence. Okay. If there are no questions, we will go into our meditation on voidness. Okay, so the first stage of this meditation is the realization of what it is that we juggle internally. What we are carrying around in our heart, mind, that causes our discontentment. The learning that our discontentment is not created by what's out here, it's created by what's in here. And that we have a filter, a discriminatory consciousness, a discriminator, that we can put our attention on what it is that brings us peace and contentment and remove it from the objects of information that cause our disturbances internally. So this is just a, an exercise in realization that it works. So the first thing to do is decide what it is that you want to invite into your reality and what you want to exclude. Understanding that it's not about having to change anything external to yourself. But it's all about selecting what you welcome into your heart. That all things and all possibilities and all potential exist in consciousness. I think, I think a simple way to express it is If you feel overwhelmed or depressed by the moment, clean out the litter box. Because effectively what you're doing is taking your attention off of the object at one of the sense gates and you're putting it on something different. And putting it on something different changes your whole construct 
of the world as you know it. It's that simple. We're not wired to go from what screams at us to what is subtle. So anger and irritation, violence, pushing, force, are the things that scream at us because of our need for self-preservation. But remember that we don't have to get our gun to make a change or make a difference. All we have to do is change our minds and hearts. And it will automatically and instantly change. So, let's try it. Be aware of what you bring into the mind. Be aware of what Feeling tones, those objects cause within you. Be discrimination, be discriminatory and selective of what you want to keep based on that feeling tone and let the rest go away. Understanding that what you don't put your attention on cannot bother you. That's the message. If I don't pay attention to it, it can't bother me. It does not exist in my reality. It does not exist in my world. So just work with something that simple right now, that broad right now. Empty of what I do not invite into my heart. That's all you're working with right now. And seeing the effect that that has on you internally.
It is truly very subtle. An example is, as I sit, I am living and I'm also dying. Now, what am I going to put my attention on? That's my choice. And that is how we can relate to and relate with every phenomenal object. There's a duality. Which one do I want to put my attention on? Work with that this week. Understand and realize that the feeling that you have in your body at the moment, the feeling that you have in your mind at the moment, is all predicated on what object, what phenomenal object, what sensory object you're putting your attention on in the moment. And to change that is only about changing what I put my attention on. Not about changing anything out there. Okay. Thank you so much for your support and your attention and your commitment to being the bodhisattvas that you are. May all beings be liberated from suffering. May we be well. May we be happy. May we be peaceful. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.